0: Hi, this is Joe Elliott, and you are listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando on iHeart Radio.
1: Hey, everybody! It's Art from the band Everclear, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando on iHeart Radio.
2: Distortion and welcome to the podcast Appetite for Distortion, episode one hundred and forty nine. It is Brando. Big episode for you today. Two major guests. Coming up first and momentarily via the phone, Joe Elliott from Def Leppard is going to be joining the program. Can't wait! I just—it's just one of the another interview that I just can't believe that this this platform that we've all created, this appetite for distortion, Guns and Roses themed podcast, is able to achieve. And that's thanks to you. If if you weren't listening, I wouldn't have a podcast. People wouldn't come on here. So thank you. Uh, for that. So, coming up, uh, we're to talk to uh, Joe about his uh, new album with not Def Leppard, although we're going to talk about some new stuff with Def Leppard uh, potentially in the future. But Down and Outs, his other band, they're coming out with a new album, This Is How We Roll. It'll be available as of October the 11th. And also available as of October the 11th, it's going to be the debut solo album from Art Alexicus. I think I'm saying his last name right, but Art from Everclear is going to be on the program. I am in studio with Art. I can't wait to uh, to meet him and to talk to him as well, and of course, we'll, we'll get some GNR as well in there. What's the six degrees of GNR bacon between Everclear and, and in Guns N' Roses? I don't know. We'll find out. I couldn't find it, but I didn't want to pass up an opportunity to interview him, especially in studio. So that's coming up uh, a little bit later, but first... We have Joe Elliott on the line. Joe, it's such a pleasure to, to meet with you and speak with you today. Hey, Brandon. First thing, I'm, I'm curious because you've accomplished so much in your career. How important is it to continue not just not with Def Leppard, we'll get to that, but with down and outs to do something new and creative with, I guess, the band that you're not most known for? How important is that still to do for you? It's
0: very important for me, and I think it's important for everybody in Def Leppard and the Down and Out to be as uh, actively artistic as possible. It's what we are born to do and blessed to be able to give the opportunity. There's a lot of people in the world that are born much better singers or better writers or better painters than people that do that for a living. But they never, through birthplace or bad timing or whatever, they never get the chance to do it. We get the chance to do this, and I don't want to waste a second where I could be writing a song, which is my passion. Rick Allen, for example, likes to paint in his time off. For me, my time off from Def Leppard is writing different types of songs that wouldn't have worked for Def Leppard, and that's where the down and out comes in. So it's very important. You know, I'm not the kind of guy that knows how to just sit around doing nothing. I don't know how to do that, Um, and I don't really believe I was put on the planet to be that guy that just you know, beer in hand, watching, you know, Sunday football every day. I mean, I like to do that, but I'm normally doing something else at the same time. I'm a two-occupation guy, if you like. You know, if, I'm, if I've got a tally on, I'm normally approving something or playing the guitar or writing a song or trying to write some lyrics or whatever. You know, very rarely do I just sit down and chill because I don't really know how to do it.
2: Sure, multitasking for sure, and I understand that. But someone for your... With your catalog, you can easily, you could still work, but you can tour the world just on on that. But the the new, the creative, how, is that always important to do, to, to make it, again, you can go out and, and be a band, you can do different things, but to make a new thing and put it out there in the world.
0: Well, yeah, new things are always important to us. They, they They become less important the longer your career goes on because everybody gets wise to the fact, whether they admit it or not, and I'm talking here, Paul McCartney, the Stones, Fleetwood Mac, the Eagles—if they go out on tour, they're big enough to have to play stadiums. And we've just about achieved the same thing. And we realise that when you play stadiums, people aren't coming to hear one hour's with of new music. Right? Stadiums are places to go and enjoy, relive what you know, and they're not educational platforms. They're entertainment platforms. So. You and I could go buy tickets to see the Rolling Stones, and why would we want to do that? Because we want to hear Jumping Jack Flash. We want to hear Brown Sugar and Gimme Shelter, etc., because it's part of our DNA these days. Um, If they play... If they've got a new album out, we're happy for them. And if they play... They open the set with a new song, and then they play another one 30 minutes later with loads of stuff we know in between. We will indulge the new music. This is I, the we being the, the the audience, not just you and I. I think most people think that way. If you want to hear brand new music, non-stop, I think you have to be psychologically prepared for that. And it's normally some like open mic night in the basement of a club. You know, 20 people sharing your. Oh, I saw. Ed Sheeran in front of five people before he came big moment. You know, that's what the news does for. Otherwise, the best platform for new music is actually new music, literally CD, digital, vinyl, where people can listen to it in the comfort of their own environment to get used to it and then go and enjoy it live if the band tour. So it's really important, I think, to keep making new music. But with us, Def Leppard, I mean here, we know we'll make new music with, constantly writing, but we're not in a rush to put anything out just because we have a record deal and we have to put product out there. I think it's more important the Def Leppard just be Def Leppard, and that means playing live in front of people and maybe once every five years we put a new record out, because that scratches a big enough itch for us these days, more so than than say, not touring. I mean, I, I, that would be heartbreaking for us. The reason everybody wants to be in a band is to play live, mm-hmm. Not to spend hours and years in a studio. <laughs> not It wasn't anybody's dream to spend five <laughs> years in a studio. Sure. But, you know, to play in front of an audience in stadiums, that kind of thing, that's that's the ultimate goal for a band like us. So play live is, at this moment in time, more important than new music. But we have not dissed, you know, we haven't dissed new music at all. We've actually currently got a bunch of songs on the go. But we're just not in a rush to record them. We want them to be good, not quick.
2: Gotcha. Right on and uh, continuing with the the down and outs not just the music i'm i'm excited for the the song titles i, I wish i can go down the entire track list but i know you got a, another interview coming up in a few minutes but the one title i want to know if you could talk about it cuz it stu- uh, stood out to me white punks on dope what is that about well
0: well that well that's not mine. That's the only song on the album that I didn't write. Wow, a okay. The covers, <laughs> that's the cover song by a band called The Tubes. Okay. They the Tubes, uh, they, they, they had a, a certain amount of uh, commercial success in the early early 80s uh, through MTV. But in the mid-70s when they formed, they were much bigger in the UK than they were in America. They were big in San Francisco. Um, I know that much. But Why Punks and Dope is, is like a, it's a classic hybrid song between the Bowie-ish glam period and punk it's got all the energy of punk but it's got the kind of chord progressions and and energy and and oozes that kind of uh glam rock sexuality if you like that bowie had in 73 um which is the reason that we wanted to cover that song but uh, it's, the only, it's literally, you picked the one thing I didn't like. <laughs> so you'd have to ask the guys the roadie was all about. But it's literally about isolation. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, uh, Fee Weybel, the singer, is is portraying as a character called Quay Lude, this kind of loner kid who probably gets bullied at school and uh, he's not happy with his life, even though he comes from a rich area of, of L.A. And he just, he's he's basically... Down and Out, which is why it so suits the band, the Down and Outs.
2: Okay. So and pera-
0: it's not an accident that we chose that song.
2: Right on. And perhaps I'm showing my age. I know the Tubes. I guess I didn't know that uh, specific song, so I'm only half an idiot for, for not realizing hey, that. That's fine, man. <laughs> you have to live and learn somehow. Right on. Um, uh, one, la- I guess uh, maybe I can squeeze in a couple more questions. Before, uh, with everything that you've accomplished in your career, you're seeing a lot of co- like big headlining between two big acts. Uh, a recent one like Green Day and Weezer. Has there is there any band out there that you would like to tour with or do something with, like a major act? Because you did stuff with Poison. Is there any other band out there uh, that's currently touring? Whether it be a Guns N' Roses, uh, maybe a Metallica, any other major, you know, Hall of Fame act that you you, you see out there? You're like, you know
0: well, what? We just we did a, we did sixty shows last summer, including stadiums with Journey. That was
2: yeah. probably as, as big as it
0: gets. You know, we were all over the states uh, last year. We did 60 shows in 2018. The Journey, um, including places like Fenway Park and uh, the Coors Stadium in Den- in Denver. Um, it was it was amazing. You know, we were pulling in 50,000 people at these shows, and between us and Journey, that was a pretty big tour, you know. But I mean, you just name-checked there a ton of bands that we all love, you know. Queen would be another one, the Rolling Stones, DCC. Mm. I mean, we're not, you know, we've done a lot of festivals with these bands, but not necessarily on the same day. In fact, we're playing in Nashville next weekend the day before Guns N' Roses headlining. You know, so we've got the Saturday night, and they've got the Sunday night spot. We may just cross each other in the lobby of the hotel as we leave and they arrive sort of thing. But, um... You know, rock and roll works great when you team two great bands together, no matter who it is, because it genuinely does bend the mathematical rule of one and one makes two. No, one and one makes three, because it's such an appealing thing of three hours of music that you probably know every song. So it really makes it great value for money for the ticket buyer to have two bands that they know all the songs for. We did it with Kiss, we've done it with Brian Adams, we've done it with all sorts of bands in the past, and it's worked a treat.
2: Right on. And so the last question I actually got from a listener on my Facebook page this is from Brad, and he did mention that uh, Manchester, Tennessee, uh, Exit 111 Festival, that you are playing different days with GNR. He wants to know if you've actually had any interactions with uh, with the Guns N' Roses members over time, and perhaps uh, have you ever been offered a COA headlining bill with with GNR throughout the years?
0: We've only ever done festivals with GNR or been to visit them uh on their shows you know i remember i've seen them like three times i believe um but coincidentally and an interesting way for brad is that i've actually been on stage in a band called the kings of chaos right and in the rock and roll all-stars where it was matt sorum duff mckagan slash and gilby clark and they were you know i would and they had uh you know, we had different singers, myself, Glenn Hughes, Sebastian Bach, Miles Kennedy. So, Miles would sing the Guns N' Roses stuff, and I'd, you know, sometimes I'd get him sing a backing vocal for a laugh or whatever. Or they would play, Duff McKagan played bass on Pour Some Sugar on Me and, a, and An Animal hmm. when I got to do my little stint. So, yeah, I mean, we've toured together. We were in South Africa for a week, we've been in South America for three weeks. My interaction with those guys goes a long way. Slash uh, with Miles Kennedy opened four shows for Def Leppard about two, three years ago. Um, So we've we've known these guys since they broke big and we broke big, you know, because we all kind of... We didn't hang out, but we would bump into each other, and they've always been really bang-on guys. I remember once borrowing Axel's chiropractor because I needed an adjustment, and he says, Dude, he's over there. Go use him. You know, (laughs) these guys, they've always just... Muck, you just muck in with him, you know. But I love Duff McKagan. I think he's got a he's got a solo album out at the moment. Yes. Came out about six months ago. You really should check it out. It's superb. It's called Loneliness, I think, or Tenderness. Tenderness. I can't what it's, called. Tenderness. But it's yep. Beautiful. It's a fantastic record. And I'm I'm a huge fan of him as a human being. You know, I think I think Duff's wonderful. They all are. They're all great guys. Slash is a great guy. they all. I don't know Axel that well, but the rest of them, um, I know pretty well, and they're all. Diamond gazes, as we like to say.
2: <laughs> well, if he lent you his chiropractor, I'm sure he's a good dude. Uh, Joe Elliott, I mean, this was a, a complete honor. I can't wait to hear the rest of the new down and outs. This is how we roll. The new single is out now. The album comes out. It's available out as of October 11th. Joe, thank you so much, and just continued success. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Never in my life that I think I would interview Joe Elliott from, from Def Leppard. And what a nice guy. Really nice. Uh, you know, of course, I wish... It was longer than, than 10 minutes, but that's the deal. Uh, a lot of uh, radio listeners around the country get to experience these kind of interviews on their morning commute, morning radio. But since I'm, I'm pretty lucky to work here uh, at iHeart and Premier Radio Networks who schedule these morning radio tours, I can sometimes get in on them. So I'm certainly not going to pass up an opportunity uh, to speak with anyone of his stature for, for 10 minutes. 10 minutes is, is, is cool. And that's exactly the amount of time I'm going to get with with Art from Everclear right now. And so I'm going to walk into the studio. Of course, I was just talking to Joe on the phone. So let me just sit down with, with Art. He is just wrapping up his last interview. And I'm just going to sit down and we're going to just start talking, get into it. You know how I do. But I don't know if you realize how calculated I am sometimes, even though I may not be prepared for certain things like the, the tubes. I know she's a beauty. I didn't know that song. God, I hope not all of you are going to be mad at me. Uh, But I am strategically wearing a California Angels uh, old school hat because I I know Art's a West Coast guy, so I'm curious if he picks up on that. And also with these shorter ones, I tend to wear a Guns N' Roses shirt when I meet these people in person because they, they may not be like, you know, Brain knows he's going to be talking to me for an hour plus and it's a Guns N' Roses podcast, blah, blah, blah. But with these shorter ones, of course, i got to focus on what they're promoting. And the GNR shirt is kind of like a conversation piece in and in a, a good way to get into, uh, into talk, bringing them up at a left field, so to speak. So uh, let's see if he notices. Let me just walk in here. Hey, Art. What
1: team is that at? Is that the
2: Angels? Angels. That's the old school. from, like, the 70s, right? Yeah. 60s, 70s. I knew because you're a West Coast guy. I'm a West Coast guy. I'm never an Angels fan. I'm a Dodgers fan. I'm a Yankees fan. Okay. but I It's just... a cool hat. Thank you. Yeah, I like wearing cool hats. <laughs> well, because you still, I mean, you still got your hair. I don't. Uh,
1: well, you know, um, it's it's getting thinner, but no, I, I just, I don't know if it's the disease or what, but I just... I'm wearing hats now. Cozy. So what do you got going on? Why, why, are you, why are you using a cane?
2: Do you mind if I ask for it? You said disease? I'm not familiar. MS. I know you have that. Multiple sclerosis. What do um, you got? I have demyelinating peripheral neuropathy. So maybe we can start off there. So you have de- okay, demyelinating? Right. That yeah, I, disease? I have demyelinating peripheral yeah. neuropathy. Which is a nerve uh, condition.
1: Well, that's what MS is. Is the
2: demyelination
1: of of the the substance around the nerve, right?
2: Yeah, a lot of people thought when people meet me, it's funny. I get one of two things. They think I'm walking cool, for one. I've gotten you're walking like a brother. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, how many thirty six year olds walk with a cane? Hey, so man. they think it's part of my stuff, which it kind of is a little bit. But. Well,
1: make work it. Make, it, make it. I if I have to go to a cane, and it's very possible because I'm <laughs> at, I I'd have serious walking issues because of my disease.
2: So I mean, around I was ten, uh, you know, started walking with a limp, and I have leg braces as well. So there's something missing in the nerve, so the message doesn't fully get there from the brain. So that in that affects the muscles, so the muscles are weaker. So it's balance, it's strength. Um,
1: it's a lot know. like what what I got. I mean yeah. that's that's what MS is is basically and and my body my my muscles are atrophying I have to work out constantly.
2: <sighs> um, do you take medication? Uh, just for uh, my mental health. That's uh, about it. It's in Balta. I mean, no meds, no physical pain. Yeah. You know, so I mean, uh, I didn't know. I mean, uh, I kind of feel silly not knowing that you had MS when I'm. doing It was. Is uh, it? Is it it, yeah, it,
1: it, it's a, well, that yeah, I mean, my whole record is well, not the whole record, but the first single, The Hot Water Test. Yeah, that, that's about the MS. That's how they diagnosed MS back in the early part of the 20th century. They put people in scalding hot water.
2: Wow, yeah, okay. When were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed in 2016,
1: but I came out publicly in March, and there was like it went viral, and I went on TV shows and stuff.
2: I mean, it, it's rough. It's hard for me. It's taken a while for me to be able to talk about it publicly.
1: It took me three years. Yeah. It took me three years, and I'm a public person. But I started feeling like, well, people started like noticing the way I was walking and thought I'd started drinking again. i have been mm. clean and sober for 30 years. and But it wasn't really about that, because I don't give a shit what people think, really. But, I mean, when it came down to it, I wanted to... Um, I felt like there there was an elephant in the room and I wasn't being honest. And my music and my life is all about being honest.
2: Is that the reason for this solo record as opposed to doing an Everclear record?
1: No, I just want to do something different. Okay. It just sounded fun to do a record all by myself.
2: Okay. How long has that been in the works? Um, Is that something you've like, you always wanted to do or maybe like a year ago? You're like, uh, you know what? I'm going to do a solo record.
1: Yeah, I always wanted to do it. And I just felt, I started writing songs. I get in and out of writing songs and- I was writing songs and I was like, "Man, I want to do this acoustic." I'm writing all these songs on acoustic guitar. I want to do it all acoustic, and I want to do it myself. And so it was just me and a guy in the studio, uh, Stuart Schenk, who's my um, engineer, co-producer, and uh, we just uh, we we would work a couple days a week. You know, uh, over a year. It, it wasn't we weren't it wasn't like we went in a studio and like with a band, you're in there for two three weeks and right. Then you do overdubs and then you do mixes and, you know, the whole nine yards. And it wasn't like that. It was like, it was a lot less stressful. So I don't, you know, now that I think about it, I think ever, ever since I found out I had the disease, I've become more about just, I don't want to do anything that I don't think is fun. I don't Mm -hmm. want to be around people that are not positive yeah, in any way. And I think we, we sometimes in life put up with people, friends who are like, I don't really like that guy. <laughs> you
2: know? I understand. Screw that. I'm over it, man. Go with God. I
1: just don't, I, I wish the best for you. Not in my life.
2: It gives you a different perspective. It really does. I and then yeah. life is, I hate to say it, you know, life is short and, and I mean, you're, you're older than I am, and I'm saying that life is short, 36.
1: Oh, man, you've been dealing with this for a long, long time. You know, and the funny thing, not the funny thing, but the peculiar thing is I was diagnosed in 2016, but they said because of the marks, the age of the marks on my spine and brain, um, I'd had it for about 20 years. Hmm. And it's funny because I could, and then I was going back and going, okay, I could see it, you know, like things just started getting harder about 10, 15 years ago, you know. And um, there, it makes sense.
2: Did it change your your songwriting approach to the new album? In addition to just the subject matter, not
1: really. I just felt like um, I could, I could be show a little bit more of me, and and uh, not that I don't do that in Everclear, but it just it's a lot more intimate because it's not me with a drummer and a bass player and a guitar player and a keyboard player. It's me doing it off. If, if I hear something. I go over and play it and I'm not good at those other instruments, but I can <laughs> figure it out. Right. And that's what you get on the record. So it's a very minimal record, lots of acoustic guitars. And, um, I like it. It sounds like a, not a lot of pro tooling, not a lot of auto tune. Um, it's,
2: it's perfect. I it, love sounds, that. it sounds like a, a,
1: a raw record from like the seventies.
2: What it sounds like. And now that I know the meaning of the, uh, the, the single, the hot water test, which is just gives it a whole new meaning, but it was very Elvis Costello.
1: There's some, definitely some Elvis Costello, and there's some other songs that have a little bit of that, but I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan. Um, I remember there was something that happened on my 16th birthday, April 12th, 1978. Um, I'm driving in the back of this car in Houston. I'm about to fly to L.A. the next day, and I'm making out with this super hot girl, <laughs> and uh, she's like, I'm yours for tonight, just tonight. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, but, uh... Van Halen comes on the radio with, uh, you know, uh, what's that, Eruption, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, oh, shit. I'm not going to be the, I will never be the best guitar player in the mm-hmm. world. That's not going to happen. And then, but I love the sound of the guitars and just how big that was. That, you know, I was, wasn't a huge fan of the lyrics, but, but I love that first Van Halen record. But the next song I heard was watching The Detective's by Elvis Costello, and I'm like, I want to write songs like that with big guitars like that. Uh, okay, and that's what Everclear kind of is—a singer-songwriter and a big hard rock, sized punk rock band. Okay, so that's what Yeah,
2: doing. no, that's that's an interesting way to to put it. That that hybrid, I like yeah, it. That's what we are. I know you got uh, so many interviews to do today, and I want to. I, I wish I can I can speak to you for a, a long time, uh, but yeah. you since you mentioned you know big guitars, uh, what I do for my iHeart podcast instead of just being a generic you know, rock conversation podcast. Right. I have like, uh, uh, my secondary theme is mental health thing we were just talking about kind of. Uh, but my first theme, I don't know if you noticed my my shirt. Yeah, well, I could tell by the name of the podcast. Yeah, well, I, I try to be creative with it. It's not just talking about Guns and Roses. It's kind of just using that as like the North Star to kind of guide the conversation. Right. So I, I'm just curious if you've ever seen them because I was looking for a six degrees of GNR Bacon connection to Everclear, and oh. it was really hard to find one.
1: Well, yeah, I I, I got to tell you. I love uh some of the, the the I love their music. I love Izzy's songs. I've never been a huge fan of uh his his voice. Mm-hmm. It's just not my thing. But I love uh Welcome to the Jungle. I love that song. I love some of the songs on that first album. Um but uh I I I know several
2: of those guys. So you have crossed uh paths? Oh yeah. Yeah. I I've met
1: Slash and Yeah. And, uh, um, Matt Sorum and, and, uh, uh, Steve Adler and, and, uh, I've never met Axel, but we have the same business manager. So that's the six degrees.
2: Okay. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's what I do. The six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. one degree. That works. So, um, obviously you're focusing on the new record. What is there to come? What do you still want to accomplish? Because I guess ask this to Joe Elliott. I mean, he can just tour on his catalog. I mean, you can just tour on Everclear, what yeah. you do. Is there anything that you still want to accomplish? Well, I just did a
1: show with Joe um th- this event we did um, last year, and that was a lot of fun getting to know him, and we've played with them off and on over the years. Um, what do I want to achieve? I want to write a book. Okay. I, I want to... Uh, I want to keep touring with Everclear and keep doing that. We're doing the 20th anniversary of our album Songs from an American Movie um, this next year, do the album in its entirety. Right. And, and you know, just keep busy and um, just watch my daughter grow up and be a dad and just um, uh, from there, I don't know. Just hit every open door, like, you know, whether it's closed or not, I'm going to open it
2: up. Well, you're an inspiration to everybody with... Uh... Uh, MS or neurological disease. You're go, You're out there. You're you're pushing. You're fighting. So just this was a real pleasure. And I hope we can Thank do this brother. again.
1: Yeah, I hope so too.
2: What a really nice guy, uh, Art is. And I I can't believe I I didn't know. I'm not going to pretend that I that I knew he had MS. I guess the story broke a couple months ago, and I don't know where my head is at. Obviously, it's it's knee deep or. Far head deep—that's <laughs> where my head is in the in, in the Guns N' Roses world and just my own life. And I don't know how i, I really missed it, especially uh, especially me, you know, knowing what I what I go through. And I—I uh, I don't think I would have even asked about it, you know. It's just he saw me walk into the studio. I could see he, he saw my cane and uh, saw me limp, and that's just how it organically came up. And I'm glad he brought it up because I. I hate to say it. I mean, I know some people get older, and I, I'm not going to be shocked. He's not going to look like he did in uh, you know my, my high school days. Seeing him on the, the Santa in the Santa Monica video or or anything like that. Uh, but he looked a little frail, and and that makes me sad. That really makes me sad. But you know, he's he's forging ahead. He's doing new projects. He's still still doing stuff with Everclear. He said he wants to put out a book. So. Don't uh, use him as an example. Don't let anything hold you back. And uh, I guess I could say that for myself as well. I mean, my, my disease holds me back from a lot. Uh, it, it's taken me many years to accept a lot of things and to know how to handle it. Because at least he's dealing with it if there's a silver lining when he's older. You know, for me, I'm, I was dealing it with it when I was a kid, you know, uh, middle school, high school and those are those are ages and, and environments where you know you have to wear the a cool shirt or cool shoes or listen to the right kind of music because you want to fit in and it's hard to fit in when you have this glaring difference so it was hard for me to uh, fully get comfortable in my skin um, and I am pretty much now uh, I'm never gonna be perfect I think I would be lying to myself and to you if I, uh, said, oh, I'm glad I have this uh, this neurological disease. Oh, it's great. I'm so glad I have it. But you know what? I, I will say I am glad I have it when it comes down to parking. <laughs> Always parking uh, wherever I want. And uh, first on roller coasters, which is pretty great. So silver lining and everything. And I, I also, I mean, I can't believe I didn't know that fucking tube song. <laughs> Jesus. I, I guess I only know uh, She's a Beauty from the tubes. So I guess I did show my... My age, and and thankfully he didn't just hang up on me <laughs> right there. <laughs> but I do my research for these interviews. But obviously, um, you know, since this kind of a this podcast is kind of like a, a passion project, I don't have all the time to really do a deep dive and and, and just know e- everything back to front about what I'm going to talk about. For the most part, I, I know the overview. Obviously, uh, what they're here to promote, whatever GNR connection I need to have, and just. The rest of it, I fill in by connecting to that person as a human being, and I believe people like that. Uh, I think that's what uh, Art said that after. He's like, you know, you're asking, you're asking, uh, we're being asked the same questions for two hours, and I said, well, I hope I was a little different. He's like, no, this yours was more conversational. So that's that's always the goal, because I feel like if I know everything about the person or. I mean, the tubes thing is what it is. I just didn't know that song, but um, if I knew everything, you wouldn't have that organic surprise and shock that I had uh, from from learning he had MS on the show. So I guess uh, in a way that makes better radio. <laughs> I guess, and um, I don't. I'm already past being embarrassed by you know if I. Up a fact or anything, but of course you guys can always uh and you do you you correct on uh, on social media and Twitter whether it be in inboxing or on the uh, the thread of something, but regardless of how prepared I am, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed both uh, interviews and I hope you you did as well. Just uh really cool, and I wanted to give you two interviews this episode since both were short, so that pretty much does it for this episode of appetite for distortion. What is to come? Well, I could tell you what's to come. Uh, I already recorded it, so it's uh it's gonna be the next episode, and that is with Mark Cantor and Jack Lou. Jack Lou, of course, the, the first photographer for Guns N' Roses, and, and Mark Cantor, uh, from I guess Cantor's Deli, and, and well now is an author of Reckless Road, Guns N' Roses. And uh, well, he—I mean, he's primarily—he works in a deli, and he's—it's a family business, and it was kind of ground zero for for Guns N' Roses, and that's there's a very famous shot that Jack Lou took of the band before they even really wrote a song together, sitting in a booth, and Mark is going to tell that story of of the, the behind the scenes of that photo. So we're going to get Jack, and well, I did Jack and Mark on together and I can't wait to share that with you uh, because it was just a really fun conversation, and Jack learned something from Mark that he never knew before, and that's what I go for. That's what I was going for with uh, with Roberta Freeman and Teddy Zigzag. I forgot what it was, but there was something Roberta Freeman said that Teddy didn't... I think it was something with the riot that she was left behind, and Teddy didn't know that until the interview that we did. So there's something special about, you know... uh, Th- these things that are being found out between friends, on the podcast recording, you're you're hearing an organic moment. So you're going to hear an organic moment, plenty of them between Jack and and Mark. And I will give you a a little bit of a teaser in that uh, interview because there's a lot of facts and then dates thrown out. So it's a really good GNR nerd interview. Did you know that James Franco? the actor, James Franco, approached Mark Cantor to do a movie about Reckless Road? Because I didn't. I mean, obviously, it's not happening, at least not now. Uh, but that conversation was had. Man, that would have been, I don't know if, if, if James would have directed it or played Axel or something like that. But that's still, that's still pretty cool. That's still pretty special. And you know, I, I'm sure James isn't the only one in Hollywood that wants to make a GNR movie. We just hope it happens. And so we're going to talk about that, actually, with uh, with Jack and Mark as well. And also to come, um, I just got a call last night from Rod Jackson. Yes, Rod Jackson, former Slash of Snake Pit. He's putting the finishing touches on his new album, and he's going to be speaking with us exclusively about it. And also, I think I've been telling you about uh, Atkins and Chesney and their, the, the original band that many of us thought were Guns N' Roses. So uh, they will still be, uh, there's still scheduled to come on the show just when their album is done. And I believe they're going to, you know, showcase some new songs for us on the podcast. So That's going to be a lot of fun. So just thank you for all of you for hanging out for another episode of Appetite for Distortion. When, whether you found us through AlternativeNation.net, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, um, of course, social media. I hope you follow Twitter.com uh, on Twitter at the AFD Show or Facebook.com/slash the AFD Show. And another reminder: I do uh, have a Patreon now. It's set up. Uh, nothing crazy. I'm not really pushing it too much because it's. I, I've just had a few listeners over the last couple of years ask me if I have one and. Uh, I've talked about making T-shirts in the past, and uh, I, I, that would be a cool way to make T-shirts, you know, funded by you, I guess. So we'll see. So if you uh, choose to donate and no, no amount is too small, well, I guess a penny wouldn't do me much good. Um, five bucks, maybe the smallest. That's all I ask for. And hopefully we can, uh, uh, down the road, I can make some uh, AFD T-shirts for all of you. Get that out there. Get some merch. Brand the Brando, so to speak. I felt very douchey just by saying that. Anyway, that concludes uh, this episode. So, when will we hear the next one? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. No! Fuck it! No! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.